podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. I have only one part for you today. This entire episode will be dedicated to previewing our massive, massive match on Saturday against Inted. It's one part, but given the magnitude of this match, I did spend a little bit more time on this preview than I typically do. So as I'm sure you're already aware, Inter come into this match sitting top of the table, and for the second consecutive round, they play against one of the two teams that are tied in second. Last weekend, they played the derby against Milan. Of course, Milan won that match 2-1, to but Inter were clearly the stronger side. Mike Magnan stood on his head to keep Milan in that match. The save he made in the first half on the Brozovic shot that deflected off Pierre Kalulu was just incredible. Milan basically had five good minutes where Olivier Giroud scored twice. There was some controversy on the first goal. Some people felt like he fouled Alexis Sanchez in the buildup. I personally don't think there was anything in it. I think Giroud just got to the ball first and then the two players collided into each other. I think perhaps it just looked worse than it was because Giroud is just a much bigger player than Sanchez is. Now, Interisti should have been more upset with their defending on that play. The midfield completely stranded the Inter back three. I counted six Milan players in the area being defended by De Vrij, and Bastoni. Speaking of De Vrij, a lot of people got on De Vrij's case for the second goal. Maybe he could have done better there, but that was just a world-class turn by Giroud. Personally, I think Handanovic was more at fault. Given where the shot was placed, he put himself in a position to make the save, he just didn't get a strong enough hand to keep the ball out. That's something we're going to come back to later. There was a fair bit of drama after the match. Both Simone Inzaghi and Simone Bastoni were suspended for insulting the referee's assistants, so neither of them will be available for the Napoli match. Some people wanted to see Lautaro Martinez suspended for allegedly spitting on Teo Hernandez in the tunnel. I saw a lot of people playing CSI Milano saying there was spit on the glass and you can see his head making a spitting motion. I watched the slow motion video and I couldn't make out whether or not he was spat on and I think if Teo was spat on he probably would have said something to the media and as far as I can tell he didn't say anything after the match so I think the league got that decision correct by only giving Lautaro a fine. With the loss, Inter's gap over both Milan and Napoli was reduced to only one point. That means that a Napoli win would put us temporarily at least at the top of the table, potentially tied with Milan if they defeat Venezia. I say temporarily because Inter still have a game in hand against Bologna, so if we assume that they win that match, then Inter would still be top of the table by one point. That was only Inter's second loss of the season. They hadn't lost a match in Serie A since October 16th. That was a 3-1 loss to Lazio on match day 8. So they had a stretch of 14 matches without a loss, which is why Inter shot up to the top of the table. Out of those 14 matches, only 3 were draws against Juve, Milan, and Atalanta, and the other 11 were wins. So Inter are deservedly at the top of the table. They were back in action midweek to take on Roma in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals. 
I thought that was a fairly dominant performance from Inter. They controlled the tempo of the match, and they did well to limit Roma's chances. Roma's best chance was in the second half when Milan Skriniar made a ridiculous goal line header to prevent a goal from Nicolo Zaniolo. It wouldn't have counted anyway because the flag went up, but the play by Skriniar was absolutely incredible. Inter won that match 2-0. It took only two minutes for Edin Dzeko to open the scoring, so that was his second goal now against his former club. Alexis Sanchez scored an absolute screamer in the second half to put the match away. That was as clean of a hit as you're ever going to see. He couldn't have picked the top corner any more accurately. Really, the only negative for Inter was the loss of Simone Bastoni with an ankle injury. That doesn't change much for our match because he was suspended anyway, but that's a huge loss for Inter going forward. Fortunately for Inter fans, it doesn't appear to be too serious. He sprained his ankle, but the reports are that he didn't do any damage to the bone or the ligaments. Bastoni's had a really strong season. He's become an integral part of that back three, especially with DeFry having a drop in form this season. Inter don't really have a great alternative at center back. The only other true center back that they have is Andrea Ranocchia, who actually hasn't been that bad this season. We've seen Federico Di Marco and Danilo D'Ambrosio play in the back three as well. I reached out to friend of the pod Alex Donno to see who he thinks will play for Bastoni and he said it's likely to be Di Marco to play left center back which would push Skriniar into the middle. That's consistent with what is being reported in the media and it makes sense since they're both left-footed. Now, Inter's hoping to have Bastoni back for their Champions League match against Liverpool which is a midweek fixture after the Napoli game. Personally, I'd be surprised if Bastoni played in that match. I think he's more likely to play against Sassuolo in the next round of Serie A. If he doesn't, that could be a very tricky fixture against an informed Gianluca Scamacca and Giacomo Raspadori, so hopefully Sassuolo can steal some points from Inter there. With the win over Roma, Inter advanced to the semifinals of the Coppa Italia, which means they've added two additional matches to their calendar. And there'll be two very intense fixtures because Milan trounced Lazio in their quarterfinal match. So we'll be treated to two more Milan derbies, which are always fun for the neutral, but more importantly for Napoli fans, it means that the two teams that we are competing with for the Scudetto have added two very intense matches to their schedules. That obviously bodes well for us. It sucks that we're not in the tournament, but the silver lining is that it's one less thing for us to worry about. Now, Milan are out of Europe, so they only have two competitions to worry about. But Inter now have to focus on winning the Scudetto, competing for the Champions League, and winning the Coppa Italia. They also have that makeup game against Bologna, so their schedule is going to be jam-packed. Juve also won their quarterfinal against Sassuolo, so they're in the same situation as Inter in terms of the number of matches they'll be playing. That's good for us in terms of the race for Champions League qualification, so of the teams we're competing with for Champions League qualification, the only team that didn't advance to the semifinals of the Coppa Italia was Atalanta. They lost to a Fiorentina side who played the final 10 minutes plus stoppage time down a man after Lucas Martinez Quarta picked up a second yellow card. It looked like the match was heading for extra time, but Nikola Milenkovic scored a 94th minute winner to see Fiorentina through. So Atalanta are reeling a little bit. This loss came after suffering a 2-1 defeat at the hands of Cagliari. They didn't just lose that match, they also lost Duvan Zapata to a hip injury, which will cause him to miss the balance of the season. I know Gozins hasn't played much this season, but suddenly that left side is looking a lot weaker for Atalanta. Gasparini used a three-man backline in the Coppa Italia, but he has been toying with a back four lately, so that takes some time to adjust to. We saw Jeremy Boga and Valentin Mihaila make their debuts in this match as well. They'll need some time to learn the Atalanta system, so that's a lot of changes to make 
with only 14 rounds remaining in Serie A. With the loss to Cagliari and Juve beating Hellas Verona, Atalanta fell out of the top four, but they too have a game in hand. Atalanta play Juve in the other marquee match of this round, so that's obviously a huge match for both of those clubs. From a Napoli perspective, of course we want them to draw. Meanwhile, Napoli are only getting stronger. First we got through our spell of injuries and COVID cases, now we've gotten through the Africa Cup of Nations, and Gisa returned to training on Thursday and Koulibaly returned to training on Friday. Koulibaly received a really warm welcome at the Capodichino airport from the Senegalese community in Napoli. Koulibaly's reaction to that reception left me with a strong impression that he is going to renew his contract, which is also what is being reported in the media, so that is great for us as well. The media are also reporting that Adam Unas will be in the matchday squad for Inter. That's because he completed the full group training since Tuesday, so that's four full sessions for him. The only players we are missing are Chucky Lozano, who has that shoulder injury, and Axel Twanzebe, who continues to deal with lower back pain. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. With Simone Inzaghi suspended for this match, Massimiliano Faris will be on the touchline for Inter. Nevertheless, Inter will line up in a 3-5-2 with Samir Hendanovic in goal. Inter's preferred back three is Bastoni in the middle with Skriniar and De Vrij on either side. Against Milan, Skriniar played center left and De Vrij played center right. As I said, with Bastoni injured, we're expecting to see Federico Di Marco on the left, Skriniar in the middle and De Vrij on the right. Ivan Perisic will start at left wing back. At right wing back, we could see either Denzel Dumfries or Matteo Darmian. Inzaghi has rotated between the two of them pretty much all season, but Darmian has been out of form and he played midweek in the Coppa Italia, and Dumfries poses the bigger threat with his size and pace, so I think Dumfries will start. Nicolo Barella, Marcelo Brozovic, and Hakan Chalanoglu typically play as the midfield three, with Hakan playing more as a trequartista and Brozovic and Barella in behind. Finally, we should see Lautaro Martinez and Edin Dzeko play as the two strikers, with Alexis Sanchez providing an option off the bench. For Napoli, Luciano Spalletti will likely line up in a 4-2-3-1 with David Ospina in goal. As good as Juan Jesus has been in Koulibaly's absence, there is no question we have to play Koulibaly now that we have him back. Obviously, he's been playing regularly at AFCON, so even though he's been away from Napoli for about a month, fitness is definitely not a concern for him. He will start alongside Amir Rachmani at centre-back. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Juan Jesus won't start this match. There's been plenty of discussion about potentially starting Juan Jesus at left-back instead of Mario Rui. I know our friend Dom from Napoli Talk would like to see that specifically because of Inter's aerial threat. I'll come back to that in a little bit, but personally I still think we're going to see Mario Rui get the start at left-back. As usual, Giovanni Di Lorenzo will start at right-back. Even though we have Frank Zambo and Gisa back in the squad, Stanislav Lobotka has been in such good form lately that I think he will continue to start in the double pivot alongside Fabian Ruiz. I think the front three basically picks itself. Lorenzo Insigne will start on the left wing and Matteo Politano will start on the right wing. The latest reports on Chucky Lozano is that he's expected to miss about a month with his shoulder injury, and should he require surgery, the hope is that it can be deferred until the end of the season. Piotr Zielinski should start in the number 10, and Victor Osman will start at striker. So those are the starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is we need to be mindful of Inter's diverse attack, which maybe sounds a little bit obvious, but I'm going to break this one down into multiple mini keys to the match. The reason for that is because Inter are capable of scoring in so many different ways. They have 54 goals scored, which is the most of any team in the league. 
This match is almost like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. The Inter have been held off the score sheet only once all season, which was their nil-nil draw to Atalanta. Meanwhile, we've conceded the fewest goals in the league. On average, we're conceding only 0.67 goals per game. We've only conceded more than one goal on three occasions this season. Once was against Inter in the Girona Andata. The other two were against Sassuolo and Atalanta in back-to-back fixtures just at the start of our injury crisis. So you have the best scoring team in the league against the best defensive team in the league. Now, like I said, Inter can beat you in a variety of ways, which makes them so difficult to defend. So let's break that down a little bit. First, Inter score a lot of goals crossing the ball from the wings. By my count, they've scored 12 of their 56 goals by crossing the ball into the area. So that's just over 20%. Out of those 12 goals, eight of the crosses came from the right side. So that's our first mini key to the match. We need to watch out for the cross from the right side, especially with Bastoni out. He's normally the guy delivering the crosses from the left side. This is a good spot to talk about our left back situation. Like I mentioned, Dom from Napoli Talk would like to see Juan Jesus start at left back and he makes a good case. He noted that Inter are so good in the air, especially on the set piece, which I'll come to in a moment. So Jesus gives you that extra bit of height in the area that Mario Rui does not. Personally, I still think Mario Rui will get the start. I think Dumfries is a matchup nightmare for any of our left backs, really. If we start Jesus at left back, I think Dumfries will beat him with his pace, whereas Mario Rui can keep up a little bit better. Of course, Mario Rui lacks size and physicality to compete with Dumfries, so that's definitely an area for concern. I think Dom made a great point on this as well. He said one reason why he's happy that Insignia is playing is because he does track back to help defend. That's going to be really important because of the second way that Inter tend to score. Before I get to that though, make sure to check out Dom's preview on Uncle Sharma's YouTube channel. Both of those guys always do a really great job. So the second way that Inter tend to score their goals is with short, intricate passes in the center of the park. By my count, they've scored 8 goals this season doing that. If our midfielders cheat to the left, then we might just leave too much space in the middle of the park for that intricate passing. So if Insignia tracks back, then Lobotka or Angisa, whoever gets the start, and Fabian can cover the middle of the park. The next way that Inter score goals is from penalty kicks and set pieces. They've scored 7 goals this season from each of those. So another mini key to this match is we need to avoid committing fouls in and around the area. Inter are good enough on their own, let's not make their lives any easier. Obviously it's more difficult to avoid conceding corner kicks, so if and when we do concede corner kicks, we should keep an eye on the near post. Obviously, that's how Perisic scored against us in the first meeting. Inter have scored two or three more goals this season on corner kicks taken to the near post. Finally, Inter can beat you with shots from distance. By my count, Inter have scored six goals this season with shots from outside the area. The biggest threat from outside the area is Hakan, but we also have to be mindful of guys like Alexis Sanchez. Even if he doesn't start, we saw what he did against Roma, so he's more than capable of striking the ball. The same can be said for Dries Mertens off the bench for us. He scored a ridiculous goal in the first meeting. So that's a really long first key to the match, but I think it gives you a good sense of how lethal this Inter attack is. My second key to the match is in the attacking phase, we need to let the ball do the work. One of Inter's biggest strengths in terms of tactics is the numerical disadvantage they put you in. They do that basically through the use of their wingbacks. In the attack, those wingbacks and midfield three push forward. In defense, if Inter want to play the high press, those wingbacks stay up and press the ball, 
which forces you to play the long ball. Now, that may not be the best approach with someone like Victor Osman in the squad because he can chase down those long balls. If he does, though, it's important that Victor has support from his wingers and from Zielinski. Alternatively, Inter can drop those wingbacks and put you in a numerical disadvantage in the Inter half. On top of that, this is still Conte's Inter in terms of the player's fitness. You have a guy like Barella who simply does not stop running. The same goes for the wingbacks. Perisic has had another fantastic season and he's in great shape even at 33 years of age. In any event, whether Inter press high or drop back, we need to let the ball do the work and that means making short, quick passes. Finally, my third key to the match is we need to test Samir Handanovic. Overall, I think he's still a very good goalkeeper. He played especially well in that draw to Atalanta and against Fiorentina earlier in the season. He also made at least one big save in each of Inter's matches against Torino, Salernitana, and Spezia. I guess we should also mention the save he made on Mario Rui at the end of our first meeting with Inter, where he got just enough of the ball for it to land on the roof of the goal. Given the context with Inter up 3-2 late in the match, that was an absolutely massive save. But he's 37 years old now, he's not as quick as he used to be, he's not as nimble as he used to be, and his reaction time is not as quick as it used to be. While he's made a number of important saves this season, he's also had his share of bad moments. Sometimes his decision making or perhaps his execution is questionable. We saw that against Hellas Verona early in the season where he made a poor pass out of the back and that resulted in a goal scored by Ivan Illich. In Inter's second meeting against Lazio, he committed for the ball played over the top to Immobile and he just didn't get there on time, which was either a poor decision or a demonstration of his lack of quickness. And on a couple of occasions, he made the save, but he pushed the ball right back into the danger area. Felipe Anderson scored like that in the first meeting against Lazio, and then the same thing happened on the Toloi goal in Inter's first match against Atalanta. So we need to at least test Handanovic. If he has a good match and makes big saves, then so be it, we'll tip our hats to him, but he could just as well have an off day and concede some weak goals. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Napoli win. For Napoli, I'll give the goals to Viktor Osimhen and Piotr Zielinski, and for Inter, I'll give the goal to Lautaro Martinez. He scored four goals in nine appearances against us. Other than last season, he scored at least one goal per season against us since 2018-19. I'm very concerned about that matchup of Dumfries against our left back, so I wouldn't be surprised if the goal came from a cross from the right side, but I think there could also be a mismatch at the other end as well. Skriniar will definitely be tasked with marking Victor Osman. Obviously, we don't have happy memories of that matchup, but I also think Osman will be looking to exact revenge. But also, if Victor can get himself into a situation where he's being marked by the Rye or whoever Inter starts at left center back, then I think he can do some serious damage. Now, I actually don't think the loss of Simone Inzaghi will be that big of a deal for Inter. He's still going to prepare the team for the match and set the starting 11. If you ask Laziali, I think most of them will tell you that Inzaghi sometimes makes you scratch your head with his substitutions. You could argue that Inter lost the derby because Pioli got his changes right, while Inzaghi got his changes wrong. Pioli replaced Frank Kessie with Brahim Diaz, and he played a key role in the equalizer. Meanwhile, Inzaghi replaced his entire midfield. He replaced Perisic with Di Marco and Hakan with Vidal. During that time, Milan scored their two goals. 
Then after the second goal, he replaced Bastoni with an out-of-form Darmian and Brozovic with Matthias Vecino, which was probably the most egregious error in terms of his substitutions. So I actually don't think Inter will miss too much without Inzaghi on the touchline. I think what they will miss is the minor adjustments that he could make during the match. Inzaghi is a very vocal coach. If you watch any of his post-match press conferences, he's usually lost his voice by the end of the match. So that part will definitely be missing. We'll also have a fair bit of support from the fans. Stadium capacity has been increased to 50% and tickets sold out pretty quickly. So we'll have 27,000 fans in attendance. It's been a while since we've had that many fans at the Maradona. And there's a lot of talk about returning capacity to 100% for our Europa League match against Barcelona. Considering how few people we've had at matches, the Maradona should be absolutely rocking. And in the end, that could be the difference between us winning the match and drawing. So that is where I'll leave it. I hope you enjoy the match. Thank you, as always, for continuing to support the podcast. If you'd like to support it further, you can do that in a few different ways. We have a Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash pod. There's no minimum or maximum price. You can select whatever works for you. And there's no obligation. Our content is always free for everyone to enjoy. You can also support the pod by sharing it with a friend and leaving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisquette 5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fortsanopoly Pod. I'll be back next week to review this match and to preview our upcoming Europa League fixture against Barcelona, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network.